Welcome to the Chooseify Radio Podcast Friday Roundup, where it's all about the index. Let's make it real. You're listening to Chooseify Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, guys, we're back in the studio. The fire is spreading. Brad's here with me today, and we're going to be going over this last week's episode with Jim Collins from jlcollinsnh.com. And Jim is the originator of the stock series. Uh, This particular blog series literally transformed the way that I think about investing and the way that Brad thinks about investing. Basically, it transformed the way that everybody in the FI community thinks about investing. Uh, It is one of the pinnacle articles that everybody looks to. It's one of the most influential articles that I've ever read. It completely crystallized index investing for me. And it was a treat, a a true treat to be able to go through it with Jim on an hour and a half long podcast and just get a walk through it one step at a time for you guys. What a storyteller. So I, I am unbelievably excited about how this last week's episode went. I'm unbelievably excited to be able to share it with you guys and now to get a chance to talk about it even more with Brad. How you doing today, Brad? Hey, I'm doing great, Jonathan. Uh, anything going on in your life? Oh, uh, you know, days? you know, maybe one or two little things. Uh, my wife, uh, we had the baby on Sunday. Really? Congrats, man! Yeah, we're actually. And- uh, she she let me. She gave me like an hour and a half reprieve to come do this podcast. I'm on a very short tether right now, but she said you can go do this, and then you got to get your tail back here. So for you guys, I just want to let you know we're gonna put this together for you today, and then I am right back to the hospital. So it's Tuesday morning. The baby was born Sunday, and yeah, you're you're at at your house recording the podcast while your wife and baby are still at the hospital, right? If I didn't love this freaking show so much, there's probably zero chance I'd be doing it right now. But yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really awesome. All right. Well, congrats again, obviously. And uh, yeah, you know, this now second generation fire becomes a little more real for you, right? The fire is spreading, brother. The fire is spreading. <laughs> I, I love your little uh, taglines. It's it's so great. Those are those are my two favorites. So. Write that down. Uh, Write that down. <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness, you know, like, like I said, second generation fire is, has become real for you. You know, there's no reason you can't start thinking about, you know, 529 accounts opening up you know, Vanguard accounts for your son, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's gotta go into the thinking, right? Dude, that's what I love about our podcast. From day one, we have said, we want this content to build. Like, I I don't want to start you in some random area and then give you nothing to lead you into that. We want it to be actionable tips. And and I know it's, it should be actionable for you because it's actionable for me. That's the way that we're designing this. It's like, how can you build your own curriculum that guarantees your path to wealth if you just follow these simple steps one at a time? Uh, That's what we're all about. And so, yeah, I'm going to be taking these and I'm going to be sharing them with you guys. And of course, I'm going to share them with my son and I'm going to try to game it for him. So it's just this fun thing that we do together and I'm steering him into this fast lane for success. And how cool would it be if by the time he got to 20, he doesn't need whatever you leave behind. So this argument about whether or not you are going to leave this inheritance or not leave him, is that going to ruin the child? What if just by you living this mindset out, living this philosophy out, building this framework in front of him and giving him the tools and teaching him the rules from such an early age, what if that is just completely irrelevant by the time that he's 20 because he's already got a path that he's chosen <laughs> chosen. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it just becomes optional for him. We talk about the, the power of time and the power of just knowing the rules ahead of time and making these little steps one at a time. And if you start early enough, I mean, how many people do we have that are in their sixties that wish they had just learned about this 10 years earlier? How many people that are fifties or in their forties? Imagine starting from scratch with this stuff. How cool would that be? Yeah, no, it's incredibly powerful. And like Go Cardcracker said on episode 18, he had his son do modeling, right? And was able to put some of that money into a Roth IRA while he's zero or one years old, right? There's no reason. uh, Yeah, if only I I had a blog that I could allow my son to model on. Yeah, I wonder. (laughs) I have two two cute daughters as well. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Very cool. (laughs) Well, you know, in the next thing that we're going to be getting into uh, up, coming up soon, and I, and I hate to 
take you all away, but this is just how my brain thinks. There are all these opportunities for people that decide to start a business, all these little tax optimization strategies. And how cool would it be if we had someone just come in and coach us and then you guys through us on all these little kind of secrets that you can that you can do once you know the rules and it's not illegal you just didn't know about it and and this is this is what the game looks like once you really dig in and you start to learn the rules that's what i'm excited about and that's kind of maybe where this will go all these really fun different directions that build on these initial principles that we've talked about but one of those initial principles has to be index investing that is a pillar of fi right Brad? Yeah, I mean that is that is one of the main pillars of Fi, without question. And yeah, we actually just just recorded an episode that should be coming out here in a couple of weeks on the pillars of Fi. You know what we consider like the absolute essential topics for living a financially independent life. So uh, that featured very very prominently. And and of course, like you mentioned earlier, this this all comes back to Jim Collins for for me certainly. I know for you. Uh, and you know that's not to say that that Jim Collins obviously didn't invent the index fund or anything like that. But man, did he did he crystallize it so perfectly in that stock series? And you know, I've, I know I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but but that just really changed the entire trajectory of my investing life from someone who was you know really uncertain and constantly worried about am I doing it right and you know just doing all the typical stupid things that people do. You know, asking the guy next to you at your job, you know, how are you investing and and just kind of mimicking that or you know not understanding anything about expense ratios and. Fees and the impact, you know, of that on your long-term return. So Jim's stock series, without question, has been a huge benefit to my life. And I suspect it'll amount to potentially millions of dollars by the time I turn 100 or whatever, whatever we're talking about down the road. I mean, literally millions of dollars. And that is as powerful as it can be. So what we always try to do is just take a few minutes to go through the episode and really pick up on the on the high notes from that. And I know, Brad, that you always make a concerted effort to actually, when you're writing your show notes, to not just write the show notes, but also just take a few minutes and make a few notes about the things that really hit you hard, hit you where you live. Do you want to maybe talk about a few of those right now? Yeah, sure. No, that sounds good. And and yeah, a lot of it focuses on Jim's philosophy. And you know, basically, he said something to the effect of, you know, there are certain gurus out there who have these magic formulas and and claim that we should follow them. And, you know, as he said, quote, there are no such people. They just don't exist. Right. And this is it's it's one of these kind of truths to life. Like there, in my estimation, are very few, if any people on Earth that can outperform the market when you factor in fees over a long term period of time. And, you know, the likelihood that you or I or any person in the audience is just going to, by sheer chance, happen upon these people is so incredibly slim that, you know, if you're just talking from a betting perspective, you know, it, it's a it's a terrible, terrible bet, right? I mean, it's a, a one in a thousand, a one in 10,000, maybe maybe even worse than that bet. And that's just not something I'm willing to take, right? Like if you can, it's one of those odd paradoxical things in life where, you know, if you just go the simple, the simpleton route, right? Like the, the no brainer route of investing in the market, you are going to outperform the people who think they're brilliant, who think they're gurus and that they've figured out some secret. It's just so incredibly unlikely that that person exists, period, or that B, you're going to find them. So don't even bother. Just follow the index. Follow the lowest fee fund you can possibly find and just be very confident that that's going to work out for you over the long term. Yeah, you're you're essentially your pride, you know, that you can beat the system gets in the way of your overall success. So some great life lessons there as well. You know, if you're just humble enough to say, I can't do this, you know, there, I just cannot do enough research to do this. Conversely, if you don't care about any of that, and it's just a time perspective, the lazy man wins. If they're following this general advice, just put it in there and forget about it. And you're going to wake up very, very wealthy. One of the things that really struck me was just all the noise on TV. And he talks about, you know, what we're talking about with index investing, that's the beer. But everything that you see on TV, all the chaos, all the advice that seems counterintuitive. And in fact, they say one thing the next day and then they say the exact opposite thing the very next day. All of that is just foam. It's noise. But what we're talking about is just index investing. That's the beer. And you're just cruising down this simple path to wealth. And you can just put it in there and then you can forget about it. And we're going to go through his series. He has 30 articles now, and I haven't exactly figured out how many 
episodes that is going to be with Jim. It's hard to say because he's a consummate storyteller. He is the ultimate travel guide. And frankly, I don't want to cut him short. I want to hear the story that he wants to tell and I want to see where it goes. I love listening to Jim talk about index investing. It was pure joy for me to be able to sit there and just listen to him talk about it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Laura and I were just sitting there last night listening to the episode and just smiling, honestly, like you could just almost like you could hear the enthusiasm in Jim's voice and just knowing that he's going to go off and spin this tale on on whatever it is. And at the heart of it, I mean, this is pretty boring stuff. I mean, not for people like us, obviously, but in general. But, you know, we're sitting there just enthralled by the story that Jim's telling. And and yeah, I mean, if Jim's willing to come back as, as many times as as he said he was, this is going to be a fantastic fantastic series over the next year or two even. I mean, who knows how long it's going to take us to tell this. But like Jonathan said, we're going to do do the best job we can. And just wanted to kind of mention a couple other things. I, I thought it was funny how he said uh, he quoted that fidelity study of the classes of investors who did the best and the two best were dead people and those who forgot they had their accounts. Right. I mean, yeah. how fantastic is that? Jonathan? Oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. And then the other thing that he said uh, that that crystallized a concept for me, because, you know, we always talk about, uh, well, are we in a bubble right now? Do we need to be concerned about that? And there were two things he said that were really powerful for me. One is, you know, if you're young enough, the best thing that could happen would be for you to invest now and then the bubble to crash. And then you have 40 years to or 20 years or 30 years to invest through the bubble. Right. Uh, but the other thing, the other thing that was super powerful for, for me was this idea of, you know, one company fades away. But other companies, you know, replace that new blood. And so for that one single company, yes, you could lose, you know, the downside is you could lose 100%. And that sounds bad. But the upshot is with the new companies that fill that in, they can gain 100%, 200%, 10,000%. There's no upper limit on, you know, how much profit those companies can make. And so there's infinitely more upside than there is downside to index investing. And that crystallized a concept for me because you're trying to pick winners and losers when you do day trading and all these other things. And that's That is so risky. That is so risky. But with index investing, the math works for you. And it's that upshot that makes this so powerful. Yeah. And I never contemplated that thought. Honestly, that the index is self-cleansing in that regard, as as Jim said. And like you said, it, it can only lose 100%. But the upside for, for the real winners is incalculable, really. I mean, there's there's no end to it, obviously. And I think this really ties into what you were just saying with, you know, the people who are essentially gambling, right? The day traders. The, those people aren't investing. That's just a simple gamble on is this piece of paper or is this, you know, bid on the computer going to go up in a few minutes or a day or whatever it is. And if so, can I sell it really quickly and make a couple bucks? That is not what we're doing here. We're investing, as we talked about on the podcast, we're investing in thousands of American companies and tens of millions of American workers who are all working their tails off to essentially make us richer, right? How cool is that when you actually think about it, that you are, albeit a very tiny owner, but an owner in 3,000 plus American companies when you buy VTSAX. Mm. Like that is just such a crucial, crucial concept. And this touches on one other little thing that he mentioned, which was, uh, you know, he talked about the stock picking contest in schools. And that just hit home for me because even though it's such a minor thing, we are teaching the, the kids, the exact wrong things. It's looking for stocks that are going to go up in the next two to three months while they're doing this stock picking contest. And as Jim said, it's worse than not teaching them anything. Wow. And it, what's funny is, I don't know how I remember this. I have like a terrible, terrible memory when it comes to like my own life. But for some reason, I remember doing a stock picking contest in the fifth grade. And the one stock that stuck out to me, even all these years later, even though I knew nothing about it, was the stock ticker Burke Ha. And it was actually Berks- Berkshire Hathaway, <laughs> uh, Warren, Buffett's, <laughs> Warren Buffett's company. And at that time, the only reason that I knew about it was because it was the only stock that went up in like the hundreds of dollars per day because, you know, it's worth tens of thousands of dollars and now hundreds of thousands. But it's funny that literally the one stock that I remember from the time when I was, you know, 10 years old is the one individual stock essentially that that I own today because I <laughs> so strongly. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I just thought that was that was a funny little story. But uh, yeah, you know, Jim, Jim's thought of like the market always goes up. And, and, you know, he kind of alluded to that being a very controversial topic. And I I think, I think it's only controversial in the sense that people aren't thinking on the scale that he's thinking, 
you know, he's thinking on the scale of look at that stock chart for the S&P 500 or the Dow or whatever over 50 or 100 years. And it it is essentially, you know, a straight line up like it, it's it does always go up. And there are blips. Obviously, there are crashes. And as Jim said, there are always going to be market crashes over a 50 year period. There are always going to be corrections There are always going to be bear markets. We have to deal with that. But as he said, you know, quote, you you only you lose money by trying to dance in and out of the market by trying to predict when those drops were going to happen. And nobody can do it. Warren Buffett can't do it. I can't do it. The people on TV can't do it. And he was even more strongly phrased than that. He was saying, look at that chart. Just look at it. How do you lose money when a chart just goes straight up like that? How is it even possible? And, you know, like you said, the explanation was you're dancing in and out. Yeah, no doubt about it. And yeah, that's really important. It's stay the course. And it, it's not easy. As Jim set up that scenario, right? Like, what was it? March of 2009, the market had already dropped at 50%. Every smart person he knew was saying the market was going to go down another two thirds. And what would you do in that scenario? And, you know, I think a lot of people would sell. I mean, like, that's just the way and I think probably that- a lot of our audience will actually have to look at themselves and say, I did sell, you know, that was, that's a recent reality. And how amazing would it have been if you had heard the same reassuring information before then? Now we can't go back in time. We don't have a time machine. I'm sure all of us wish we did sometimes, but you have it going forward. And how does having this knowledge now, how does that put steel in your spine for the next 10, 20 years? There's an incalculable value to having steel in your, in your investing spine and having something that you truly believe in. And in order to truly believe in it, you need to have a why, right? You need to have something to go behind that belief. And that's what Jim's episode did, I believe. And that's what his stock series did. But this was another way to really relay that stock series and bring it to life for maybe a different audience, although I'm sure there's plenty of overlap. Yeah, agreed. And I just love the fact also that Warren Buffett, who's one of my heroes, really backs up every single thing that Jim says about these low cost index funds, where literally the instructions that he has for his estate is to buy 90% of the money to use to buy the S&P 500 index fund from Vanguard. Well, and and you know what? He's almost he's almost coming behind Jim and saying this. (laughs) Jim's been saying this for five years. Warren is more and more over the last two years been just he's been pushing this thing. You know, it's 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 almost like he believes it more and more each additional sequential year. So uh, that's that's kind of cool as well. (laughs) One other thing that I thought was really interesting is when Jim took a second just to pick on the Dow Jones. And he basically said, look, guys, the Dow Jones is not the market. It is just a single index that tracks 30 companies. And the crazy thing about it is nothing that is in there now was in there when it started. It's completely switched over. So if you were trying to do this yourself or pick these individual winners and losers, you can't. The safest bets in the 50s, they're all gone. They've been replaced by big corporations like Facebook and Google and, and other lookalikes. Times are constantly changing. And it doesn't matter how safe a particular company seems right now, you will not be able to pick it. You can't. You can't with any reliability. Things are far beyond your control. And the great thing is with the advice that Jim has given you and that we're trying to persuade you on as well, you don't have to. So I hope you get peace from that. Yeah, I know. I sure do. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone out there in the audience is is taking this in. And, you know, that might be an episode to to listen to again. So as we said, it's at chooseify.com forward slash zero one nine. And I know I've read his book more than once. I know I've read his stock series more than once. I mean, absolutely. You don't you don't get everything in one sitting. That's something you need to believe that in your core, because the more you believe it, the wealthier you will be 20 or 30 years from now. And guys, on the topic of the simple path to wealth, Jim's book, we really want to give away as many copies of this book as possible. And like we mentioned on the Monday podcast, uh, we are doing a thing where if if you leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, just take a quick screenshot or a quick picture and send it to us at feedback at choosefi.com. And for every 10 reviews that we receive, we're going to take those 10 names, put them in a hat, pick it out. And, you know, they win a copy of The Simple Path to Wealth. So, I mean, in a perfect world scenario, we give away as many of these as humanly possible. So, uh, you know, it's helping us with reviews and, you know, we want to help you get this book in your hands. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, if, you know, please send us send us iTunes reviews. That would be uh, phenomenal. And right right now, just so you guys know, uh, we had four that came through yesterday. And just want to give a shout out to Hawaii Fi. I see you, Mama Bear of Two and Rancher's Daughter. Thank you so much for putting those reviews in. We appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. So the stock series, I put part one because I know there's no way we're not coming back to this. We're going to do this right. I don't know exactly if it'll be five parts or if it'll be 10 parts, 
But from from the time that we sat down, we were pretty much sure this was going to be a multi-part series, which is why I put part one at the end of that picture. Just so you know what would be coming if we did this. We'd be going over your tax advantage bucket. So the 401k, the 403b, the TSP, the IRA, and the Roth buckets, whether or not to use your company's 401k, international funds and bonds, and also uh, portfolios, exactly how to build that portfolio and wealth allocation models. So uh, a bunch of really cool stuff just digging deep into all of his content and just having a fun conversation about it. So kind of tied into the Jim Collins episode, I actually saw an article on the New York Times this past weekend and sent it over to Jonathan on via text just saying like, wow. And it was entitled, Vanguard is growing faster than everybody else combined. And this is the, the one paragraph I want to read is, in the last three calendar years, investors sank $823 billion into Vanguard funds. The scale of that influence becomes clear when it is compared with the rest of the mutual fund industry, more than 4,000 firms in total. All of them combined took in just a net of $97 billion during that period, compared to Vanguard's 823. Vanguard, in other words, scooped up about 8.5 times as much money as all of its 4,000 competitors combined. Wow. And that is just astounding, right? Well, you know what's probably happening as well? I bet you like these hedge fund brokers, like they may be taking everybody else's money and making like ridiculous sums of fees off of it. But I bet you with the, the money that they're making, I bet you they're just plowing it into Vanguard. I mean, I can just, the hypocrisy there is is really thick, but I I, I bet you that's what happens on the backside. I, I don't know anything about that, but- uh, <laughs> My conspiracy laden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll steer very clear of that. But, uh, but I think I think what it means ultimately is that is that people are hearing our story. People are hearing Mr. Money Mustache's story. They're you know hearing the thousands of blogs that are, that are reading Jim's stock series and reading things by Warren Buffett and reading Jack Bogle and saying like, wow, this makes sense. And I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding here. I mean, this is astounding. This is where all the money is going. And, you know, Vanguard and like like Jim said, Jack Bogle is an investing and financial saint. And he has probably done more than any other single person to enrich the lives of Americans. And, you know, it, right now, I think Vanguard has something crazy like four trillion dollars under management, wow. which, uh, yeah, it's just an astounding, astounding company and astounding sum of money. So, yeah, that was. Uh, one cool little side tangent I wanted to mention. Very, very cool. All right, guys, Brad and I realized that we had this massive oversight. Apparently, you can do reviews on Stitcher, and a couple of people did, and we have just been neglecting you guys, and we're sorry. Frankly, I didn't even know you could do reviews on Stitcher. I tried to figure it out back in the day, and I couldn't do it myself, but I saw two of them on there, and these are a little bit delayed, but I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys because we we really do appreciate you guys taking the time to leave a Stitcher review. It's, it's awesome. It was a really cool surprise to see that. So Title House says, my husband and I are 28 and are loving the show. We had already toyed around with the idea of early retirement, but hadn't honestly considered it a reality until listening to Choose FI. We find these guys easy to listen to and certainly helpful in the way they package the material. We've applied at least one action step from each episode. So if you're serious about moving forward with a fire plan, check these guys out. And that was uh, that was very cool. And then also uh, Derek said, Brad and Jonathan, I want to start with saying thank you guys for all of your work on the show. The content has been excellent and I look forward to the episodes each week. The material is very accessible and applicable. I've been trying to share the five movement to friends and family and this podcast has been instrumental in that process. Keep up the great work, guys. You're knocking it out of the park. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and you know, as uh, Derek mentioned about sharing it with friends and family, I have to say, this is the the first time that I've really felt so strongly about like a an online project that I've done that I personally am sharing it with family and friends. And, you know, I'm not like embarrassed about it, which I know sounds silly, but like I'm not like a self promoter by nature by any means. But I just feel like this information is so valuable and useful for people that like. I'm stepping outside of my own comfort zone and and sending it to 10 to 15 different friends and and you know kind of family members and people are actually listening to it and like normally that's just not something I would do but uh you know I think I think people really relate to what we're doing here and I think what people like is you know like we mentioned before like this is just a conversation this is not two experts just trying to lecture to you. This is us chatting through issues and kind of getting, as we always talk about, the audience's input. So again, I know we say this every time, but this is just the coolest thing that Jonathan and I have ever done. We just talk every single day about how excited we are and what we can do to make this better for you. And we appreciate you guys being there for and with us on this journey. Yeah. And just to reiterate, these 
these are not Brad and mine ideas. I mean, some of them are, but even the ones that are our ideas, purely our ideas, we got them by researching other people's stuff. Like, and those people got it by researching other people's stuff. All this is though, this is a new framework. This is by the fire community for the fire community. So like our guests are not pure guests. They are co-hosts. This is a, like a place, a place that we've built for people that have figured out these ideas to bring it to a new audience and really show them how they can use it in their specific life in a way that tells a story and that you can go ahead and take action with it. And so this was a feedback that we got an email and I think it encapsulates that idea perfectly. And uh, this is from Steve and Amy and he says, hi, Jonathan and Brad, we are writing to say what a huge impact your podcasts and articles have had on our financial future. We are 42 and 46. We've always saved. We have no debt and we own our current home. However, we had no idea how much we had to learn about Phi. Since listening to our first podcast, the interview with Mrs. Frugalwoods, which by the way is competing with our Dave Ramsey episode for most downloaded episode. And yeah, that Frugalwoods episode was awesome. But they said, since listening to that first podcast, we have done the following. They moved their Ross and their taxable accounts from a high cost investment firm to Vanguard VTSAX. That's several hundred thousand dollars in funds. And they originally had a 0.69 all the way up to a 1.97 in annual expenses. And so we asked them the question, is your financial advisor worth $600,000? And their answer was a definite no. Now, since then, they've increased their contributions to their 401ks from 25 to 30% in an effort to max out the 18,000 per person. This is going to reduce their taxable income to below the 25% bracket. They never realized that by not having, by not maxing out their 401ks, it was causing uh, them to land in a higher tax bracket. Steve also says, I've increased my contributions to an HSA to max that out as well. We are making our first attempt at travel hacking on an airfare for a cruise to Alaska next year. Your podcast and articles are a fantastic resource for those of us who want to live like no other, as Dave Ramsey says. He taught us the basics of saving. Now you're teaching us how to keep all the money we have saved. We hope to both be retired in the next few years, and we feel your podcast and articles will help us get there much faster. We're just settling in to listen to your new interview with Jim and really looking forward to it. Even after reading The Simple Path to Wealth, it was actually your blog that changed our financial future. Thanks for all the great info, Steve and Amy. That's like chills down my spine <laughs> level of awesome right there. Yeah, that is that is mind blowing. It's it's really just wonderful and empowering for us to to know that that people are listening to this and taking action. That's what we want. And we talk about it all the time. Like you should get actionable tips out of every single episode or we're wasting our time and wasting your time. It's all about taking action. And just like we always talk about, it's it's little things. It doesn't have to be big, huge things like, you know, they're going to save potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars with VTSAX. It could just be, you know, making an extra meal a week at home and saving 20 or $30. Like it, it can be small things and just take action. And all these things are going to add up over time to creating this life of abundance for you in in every way, shape, or form. And that's that's what we want to do with the financial tools that we're giving you and the life hacks. It It's all part and parcel of the same thing. And the other cool thing is that this story constantly builds. Brad I, and my idea was that no episode is pointless. Like you literally should start with episode one and then listen to every single one up through now. You will not regret it because each episode has unique content that's being presented and it always builds. We relay the content to you as we get it. And so we start with this baseline. We, we get a guest on that has this idea that they have essentially packaged in a way that it should crystallize it for you. They can, they can talk about it, describe it and describe how to implement it in your life. And then you should be able to go do something with that. But then you know what? That is going to inspire another member of our audience or maybe they came up with another way to tweak that and optimize it even further. And then they will bring that idea to us and then we can share that with you as well. So this is uh, Neil Landfield and Neil Landfield has a website and he just sent this to me on Twitter that he had it. It's neillandfield.com. And he specifically said to me, hey, once you finish listening to episode 13 of the Choose FI podcast, which is the unfair FI advantage of teachers and specifically focused on the tax advantages that teachers, firefighters, and police officers has, Go check out this article that he has. We're going to put a link to it in the show notes. And it's a bill called HR 2146. And specifically, it, it even optimizes that further for uh, police officers and I believe firefighters as well. And so if you're a police officer and you're pursuing FI and you're listening to this, this will make it even easier. You'll be able to retire at 50 and access your 401k without the 10% penalty. And he will walk you through how to do that. So uh, it's a, these really cool laws that are only applicable to certain people 
once you have a baseline, the tools that we're, we're laying out for you, then someone else can show you how to go even farther with that. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you are a uh, police officer or firefighter, go check this one out. If I find out anything that I can give to you that will get you to fire faster, you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. And so that's why I'm giving you all like 30 seconds on the show, just to make sure I get you that information. Go check out that link and speed up your path to fire. And let me just go ahead and mention that if you want to access the show notes for this episode in particular, you can just go to choosify.com slash 019. Uh, so next, we're going to go ahead and take a question from the audience. And specifically, we're going to be doing a travel hacking question first. And someone decided to use our voicemail feature. So we got our first live audience question. Hold on just a second. Hey, guys, my wife and I love listening to your podcast while we walk and share a set of AirPods. I'm actually a pharmacist and it's great hearing from a fellow legal drug dealer about fire. I'm currently active duty military, government fully paid off those loans, and we are relocating to Cambridge, England for three years. I have lots of reading to do about travel hacking. However, I wanted to know which company would you start with if you were in my situation. American Express waives all fees for me and my spouse. We currently can fly Ryanair for sub $75 round trip all over Europe and plan to use our points for hotels. Would you still recommend I start with the Chase Gauntlet or start with American Express and their partners? Any recommendations on which hotels have the best bang for buck in terms of rewards points value? Best, Anthony? And Abby. That is so freaking cool. I love it. <laughs> Buy fire for fire. It's crowdsourced, guys. Lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, all right. So Anthony's question is a very good one. So he is going to be in England. He's going to have access to Ryanair which basically means that that most traditional frequent flyer redemptions are not going to make sense. So, you know, just because Ryanair is just so unbelievably inexpensive, you know, $75 might even be high, honestly. Like, I remember we flew from Dublin to Brussels for, I think it was, I think it was one pound. So it was like a couple bucks and then maybe like $20 in taxes or something like that. So, you know, what? you can get even, even better deals than that, which is amazing. Um, so my recommendation for that type of travel would be to go for what I call the fixed value credit cards, which are like the Capital One Venture and the Barclay Card Arrival Plus. Those are the two most prominent personal versions. Uh, Capital One has some business versions as well. There's one called the Capital One Spark Miles for Business card. So let's just talk about, let's say, like the Arrival Plus. So the way that that works is it has a, currently, when we're recording this, it has a 50,000 mile bonus after you reach the $3,000 spending requirement. So you would get, after all said and done, you'd have 56,000 of these Arrival Miles. Okay. Now why their fixed value is there's no like huge upside to them. They're just worth one cent per point. So that's worth $560. But you know, that's not as fantastic as some of these other cards like the Sapphire Preferred, you know, with the transferable points uh, where you can potentially, like we talked about with uh, Jeremy from Go Curry Cracker, where he got a 20 cent per point redemption. You know, that's that's incredible. But you're not going to touch that on a on a fixed value card. It's just simply one cent per point. But that said, it allows you to offset any, quote, travel expense. So Anthony and Abby can buy Ryanair tickets with their credit card, you know, in this case, the Arrival Plus. And Ryanair doesn't know they have miles. They don't care. It's not relevant. They're just buying the flight with this credit card. And after the fact, they log into their credit card account. They'll go to their travel, you know, whatever it is, travel eraser. I know that's what Capital One calls it. But essentially, you go to the area where you redeem your miles. You'll see that travel expense and you just literally wipe it out with your miles. And that expense then sees to exist on your credit card balance. So for Ryanair, if you're getting $50 flights, well, you can get 11 of them for a $560 bonus from one credit card. So that is a really powerful way to go about saving just on travel where you can't use traditional frequent flyer miles, I would say. Another strategy, just by sheer virtue of, of where they're going to be near London, is uh, using British Airways Avios points. We've talked about British Airways points previously where their award chart is based on distance and the way that works. So Europe, while there are a lot of, this is going to sound silly and elementary, but there are a lot of countries in Europe, but it's not that vast of a geography. So if you can get flights that are one way in distance that are 650 miles in distance or less, each of those one-way flights only costs 
4,500 Avios points. Wow. And it, yeah, which is incredible. So for one British Airways credit card bonus, which you could get a 50,000 mile bonus or one Chase Sapphire preferred card that has 50,000 ultimate rewards points. Well, those transfer to British Airways. So you can get what, 11 of those also, 11 of those one-way flights, albeit on British Airways, using those Avios points. And so that's I, something- And just to put yeah, that please. in perspective, I just remember when I used the Ultimate Portal to redeem some points, basically a rental car was 4,000 Ultimate Rewards points or 7,000 Ultimate Rewards points a day. So you're getting a flight for the price of a rental car for the day. That That's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's very valuable, uh, especially when you live near a huge British Airways hub. So uh, that's something to consider for sure. You know, Anthony said that he is active duty military and Amex, they do waive the annual fees on all of their their credit cards for active duty military. So the best option in my estimation would be then to go for high annual fee cards like the American Express Platinum, which is a phenomenal card. The bonus Again, at publication of this in the end of April, the bonus is 60,000 of the American Express membership rewards points, which also do transfer to British Airways, albeit not at a one to one. I think it's five to four. So it's 80 percent essentially of one point, if you will. So not a terrible transfer ratio. But the cool thing about the Amex Platinum card is there are add on bonuses. There's I think now they just changed the offer. I think you get two hundred dollars in annual Uber credits. So that would be completely free for Anthony, which is nice. They also have some reimbursement, annual reimbursement on airline incidentals. So on like that could be valuable for checking bags or buying flights. I'm not 100% sure just by memory on, on all the specifics if it includes check baggage, but definitely includes like in-flight beverages and, and things like that. So that's just free money, really, and a very nice thing that Amex does for active duty military. So, you know, that's kind of enough said on, on the flights. But as far as hotels go, we talked in depth about this last week, and I went into great detail about my favorite hotels, which are Hyatt Hotels and Starwood. And, you know, I'm not going to take another 10 minutes and and talk through it now. But I I did want to give Anthony and the audience one other little tip. There's a website called awardmapper.com that allows you to see all the hotels that exist in a particular location for a bunch of different chains, you know, Starwood, Marriott, IHG, Hyatt, Hilton, Club Carlson. So essentially the whole list of reward hotels are available here. So, you know, if they're going to Prague, you can just type in Prague and literally check off, you know, I have Hyatt points, I have Starwood points, and you can see what's available. So that's a really valuable website, certainly to check for hotel options. And they tell you how many points it costs per night and and all this stuff. So I would tell Anthony to check that out for sure. And then check out last week's podcast. I would try to maximize Starwood points, which you can get through the Amex Starwood card and Hyatt points, which you can earn most easily through Chase Sapphire Preferred and the other Chase Ultimate Rewards cards. So yeah, I think that pretty much answers Anthony's question. And also one other little tool, you mentioned Award Mapper, but also we use Award Wallet to track a lot of our award points because you're going to end up with six or seven potentially, especially once you move outside the Chase Gauntlet, you could end up with other reward programs. And and it's very convenient to be able to track all your points, their expiry date, you know, all your logins in one particular place. So we do use Award Wallet and we use Award Mapper for those two specific di- different reasons. And someone had asked me how we track our points going down long-term. And so that that's the answer to that one. We use Award Wallet. And we'll have a link to both those in the show notes if y'all want to check those two particular tools out. And if you have any other tools or you have any other particular sweet spot redemptions that you've put in, uh, we love your ideas. Please send those to feedback at choosefi.com. If you have questions about the show or ideas for future shows, again, feedback at choosefi.com. All right. And we had a question from Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa says, I just turned 24. I've been listening to your podcast and love everything you two are teaching. I've been pretty good at putting the principles into place when it comes to frugal living and savings. I've actually always been pretty good at saving, but that's pretty much where my path to FI ends. So right now I work for a nonprofit that doesn't have any kind of 401k or anything close to matching. So I've started looking at retirement accounts, but I feel so lost. There are so many options out there from IRAs, Roth IRAs, index funds, stocks, bonds, and the list goes on. So my question is, how do I go about choosing a retirement account? Better yet, how do I begin to choose step one? What are the most important things other than fees to compare? Are certain accounts better than others when considering the road to FI? 
ends well before the normal retirement age? Does it ever make sense to do a traditional IRA? I'm saving money, but beyond that, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you please provide some advice to the younger listeners who may not already have retirement accounts or spare 10,000 to put into VTSAX for that matter? Thanks, and please keep up the great work educating all of us. Best, Alyssa. Yeah, that is a very powerful question. And, you know, I certainly apologize if, if we haven't touched on this at all in the past, but, uh, you know, questions like this are extremely helpful for us to help, you know, really hone in the message for, for our entire audience. So, you know, please, Alyssa, know that we certainly were not intending to exclude our, the younger members of the audience. So this is uh, extraordinarily helpful. Um, there is a lot to talk about here. I guess the, the very first thing that I would say is when Alyssa said there's so many options out there from IRAs, Roth IRAs, index funds, stocks, bonds, et cetera. And, you know, I think, I think we need to just make this as simple as possible. So, you know, index funds, stocks, bonds, et cetera, those are, those are investments that go into a, like an umbrella essentially is, is how I think of the, the different options, like the traditional IRA, the Roth IRA, the 401k. Those are distinct things. One are those types like the Roth, the 401k, the traditional IRA. Those are just umbrella accounts that, you know, in most cases, the government has set up as vehicles to help us save for retirement. In and of themselves, there are no investments in particular within any of those umbrellas. Now, some people out there will say, but that's not true about 401ks because some company 401ks only give you certain investing options. But still, you're, you know, when you put your money into that, in most cases, you're just putting it into that umbrella as cash and then you are investing from there. So let's, uh, you know, we'll just talk about like what I would recommend it in general for people, as, as Alyssa said, for people considering the road to FI and not normal retirement age or normal advice for the general public, kind of like how the mad scientist really got on, as, as he mentioned in episode 17, how he started on his path to researching all these tax optimization hacks is realizing that that we are a different animal. So this is not just the standard advice you hear is put your money in a Roth IRA. All right. That's that's the standard advice. But for people on the path to FI, I think you should put as much money as possible in the pre-tax buckets, in the, the tax deferred buckets like the 401k and the traditional IRA. So in Alyssa's case, she does not have a 401k. So I would suggest maxing out the traditional IRA, which is a tax deferred account. Okay. So that means she is putting in, let's say $5,500 into that account in 2017. And that $5,500 is a tax deduction on her current year tax return, which means she is paying $0 in tax for tax year 2017. Now, theoretically, when she pulls this money out sometime down the road, it will be taxable. So that's where people in the general public say, oh, but a Roth IRA, you're paying tax now, but all that money you're compounding and earning will come out tax-free down the road. Well, for people in the FI community, we hope that the traditional IRA and the 401k contributions will be tax-free now and is tax-free forever, even when you pull it out years or decades from now. And that's a lot of the strategies that we've heard from the millionaire educator, from mad scientist, from go curry cracker. This is what the Roth IRA contribution ladder is all about. So there are these advanced techniques and we've talked about that at length and definitely Alyssa and the audience go back and, and listen to some of those episodes. But that's my like very high level overview. I'm going to throw it over to Jonathan because I know he's itching to get in here. Yeah. You know, I think probably there's going to be two pieces to this. One is just kind of where Brad and I's general, and he used the word umbrella. I'm going to steer him towards the word buckets going forward. We, I think that's probably a general term that we'll be using more and more tax advantage buckets. It's going to be consistent with what we talked about with a millionaire educator and also Jim Collins. And But the whole idea is you have these carve outs. And so we try to work within those carve outs as they provide us these advantages, these tax advantages typically. And then you have to work within the specific set of rules and the scenario for your life. And with the FI community, our thought process is that we are going to be retiring significantly before the age of 60. And so the rules for us are slightly different than for the people that are retiring after 60, which is the people for which a lot of these accounts were initially created. So that kind of shifts the, the rotation and how you actually view these different vehicles uh, for our specific FI community. 
But but in general, most of the FI community agrees pre-tax is better than post-tax just because we have plans for getting all this stuff out uh, tax-free anyways. And, and for more information on that, we've covered that ad nauseum on the Roth conversion ladder and also on capital gains harvesting, which was episode 17 and also the roundup for episode 17, which was 17R. And then go to check out the capital gains harvesting, go to episode 18, and then the roundup for that episode, episode 18R for specifics on how that would actually work. But in general, kind of Brad and I think, number one, if you have a 401k, you would definitely do that up to the to the match. Uh, we haven't really gotten into this, but the HSAs are another powerful tool that we'll talk about later. And then from there, that's where the traditional IRAs come into place. And they're very helpful after that. And then we start to consider the brokerage accounts. And then you would consider the Roth maybe. And then, you know, there's a few other things from there. But we always prefer pre-tax over tax. Now, there's exceptions to every single one of those rules that we'll go into later. But just in general, we like pre-tax over tax. Now, those are the buckets that we have to work with. But now you actually take a look at the specific investment vehicles that you're going to use inside those buckets. And now that you're looking at the investment vehicles inside those buckets, that's where we're talking about index funds. So your options might be individual stocks or individual bonds. Index funds encompass a lot of that, depending on which index you're following. And so we would try to get an index fund inside for you inside of a traditional IRA up to the $5,500 limit. Brad, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So... Alyssa's comment about for those of us that don't have a spare 10K to put into VTSAX for that matter, you know, that definitely hit home to me. And I think that is that is a crucial point. And I've kind of touched on that before where, you know, it, it's difficult. I mean, A, it's difficult if, even if you have the money to dump it all in at, at one time. But certainly if you're just trying to build up a position, you can feel like that's an insurmountable goal. And that's that's not what we're trying to get across here at all. You know, one suggestion that I would have is actually look at the Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, their exchange traded fund, which is uh, stock ticker VTI. I think as of this minute, when I'm looking at it, it's $120 per share. Now, this tracks the exact same index that VTSAX does. And I'm on Vanguard site right now and the expense ratio is 0.05. So this is really a phenomenal option. I mean, that that might be the answer, honestly, especially if we're not talking about investing huge amounts, you can buy in increments, you know, now of $120. So uh, that's something to consider. Certainly there is an investor shares version of VTSAX, which is symbol VTSMX which has a $3,000 minimum investment. Uh, the expense ratio is higher in that. It's 0.16. But you know, eventually, when you do build up to $10,000, Vanguard allows you to, or either they automatically transfer it. I, I thought they always automatically changed it into VTSAX, but I just logged into my account and I actually had one like smaller account that had just reached $10,000 and I had to actually click one button it was literally five seconds and it changed it all to VTSAX. Oh, that's cool. So, so you're saying I can just roll over from VTI directly into VTSAX? Is that is that what I'm understanding? No. So so yeah, VTI, and sorry if there was any confusion there, because uh, I was mentioning VTI and VTSMX. So VTI is an exchange traded fund. This is you know more akin to a stock. Uh, so you... To, that does not transfer to VTSAX. You would actually have to sell your shares of VTI. Like, let's say if she eventually built up a, built up a portfolio of over ten thousand uh, dollars, she would have to sell sell those shares of VTI to then buy VTSAX. I personally would question whether that makes any sense. I w- personally would just leave it in VTI. But since we have you know, all along talked about VTSAX, and also there are benefits potentially of, of buying mutual funds where you can buy fractional shares and you know invest specific amounts of money and, like I said, buy those fractional shares on a regular basis. So there, there is a case to be made to move it over to, to VTSAX at that point. She would have to sell her shares in VTI. Now, as we talked about on the Go Curry Cracker episode with uh tax gain harvesting. If Alyssa or whoever out there was was in the 10 or 15% marginal bracket, uh, the capital gains would would be zero, really. So 0%. So there's a very high likelihood that, you know, many people, because, you know, the taxable income limitations are, are pretty high on that, uh, especially if you're a single person, the taxable income bracket for the 15% rate goes all the way up to 37,950. You know, that's after all 
you know, standard deduction and personal exemption, things like that. So uh, there's a reasonable chance that that people are under there, you know, so she could make that determination to just sell it, pay zero dollars in capital gains and then buy VTSAX at that point. And that could be literally Uh, within a five minute window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could happen. And you're doing all this with inside the Vanguard framework. I mean, you're just on Vanguard.com and you're just selling, rebuying, and then you're keeping track of it for your taxes. But going back to our capital gains episode, because you're essentially inside that 10 or 15% marginal tax bracket, you're saying, hey, federal government, you can tax me. And they're saying, no, thanks, bro. You're good. Don't worry about it. And and you're all set. <laughs> yep, so, that sounds about that's, it. I think that's what the play would probably be here for you. You know, if you're living a pretty frugal lifestyle and you want to get all this stuff into a traditional IRA, you can do that through Vanguard. And you could start by purchasing VTI. You have to purchase it in $120 increments, which would meet your requirement because you don't have three grand or five or 10 grand. Once you get up to three grand, you could then have access to VTSMX. Or if you wanted the prize that we're always talking about, VTSAX, you could just keep going until you get into, until you have 10 grand saved up. And then from there, you could go ahead and literally do this within a five minute window. You could sell and then just rebuy. So sell VTI, rebuy VTSAX. And as long as you're within that 10 or 15% marginal tax bracket for a single person, you know, after you've got all your deductions in place, um, you're not going to pay any capital gains on that. And then you could just rebuy VTSAX and then, Hey, you're there. So you did great. So anyways, Brad, you did a great job uh, laying that out. And I hope that helps Alyssa. I love it when you send us your questions by email. And I love it when you leave them on our voicemail, you know, and Definitely keep using that feature. This is for you. This is by the fire community for the fire community, crowdsourcing personal finance. If you want to get on our email list, please go ahead and just text choose FI. And I need to let you know that is one word. Text choose FI to 44222. Just text choose FI to 44222. For every single iTunes written review that we get over the next two weeks, you were entering you in a drawing to win a free copy of Jim Collins, A Simple Path to Wealth. We want to get that to you. You're helping us out and we're helping you out, hopefully. And just thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for your engagement. Thank you just for for absolutely everything you're doing for us, for talking to your neighbors about it. We hope that we're making it easier to spread this idea of FI and that we're bringing you the best content from the internet and we're turning it into a conversation. That is 100% what we're about. And that's why we check in every single day to work on this for you guys. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.